الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين آمنوا أشد حبا لله وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يكون هواه تبعا لما جئت به أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم short life in this dunya and the everlasting life is the hereafter nobody has remained forever in dunya and nobody will remain forever allah taala addressed rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and said to him that innaka mayyitu wa innahum mayyitun thumma innakum yawmal qiyamati inda rabbikum takhtasimun that you will also leave this world and even all these kuffar and disbelievers who are opposing you they will also leave this world you will not be here forever but they also will not be here forever then the judgment will happen on the day of qiyamah so dunya is a passing phase and in this passing phase this is the time that a person has been given to make his everlasting life a person goes to school so now that school he understands is just a period of time is not going to be that he's going to be there forever he's in high school now for example so he knows this is a five year thing so no be here for five years but if he has aspirations of becoming something of becoming a doctor becoming a lawyer becoming an engineer becoming whatever and he has these aspirations then now that aspirations are based on how he uses these 5 years it's a short time 5 years is not a long time and he decides that in this 5 years there are many many things to take part in lot of exciting things and there are so many fun activities so why should he be left out why should he be deprived of all this let him also enjoy to also have fun so he starts having fun in the meantime the time is ticking and that 5 years passes maybe he doesn't even reach metric because he's now failing and if he made it to he gets such a pass in metric that the doors are closed to him sorry you got no entry anywhere so what does he say i wasted my time or if he doesn't say it others around him say that that this was the opportunity to open the doors ahead but you closed it you wasted the time you closed the doors now we understand these examples very easily in terms of dunya and the opportunities of dunya and for the opportunities of dunya we make many sacrifices of fun of leisure of pleasure because the opportunities of dunya must not be lost out so a person sacrifices many things at this time of the year this is the easiest time to understand it now on a weekday 
sometimes even on a weekend at this time of the year when everybody is now in the exam mode invite somebody to a, some braai invite him to one stay over somewhere but the person is serious about his studies he says that this is something that I got no time for now and I can't take chances now this is the time I got to put everything that I have every effort that I can make I must make why? because he sees what this what is the benefit of this effort in terms of dunya you can see it so therefore it's very easy to make the sacrifices of leisures, of comforts, of pleasures, of whatever but the same thing is that this dunya in any case sometimes a person went through all that effort but still there's nothing at the end of it how many a person went through all that effort and before you could start anything the life finish off but this life will end, the akhirat is everlasting Allah Ta'ala has given us this life to make the akhirat dunya mazra'atul akhirat this is the planting field of the akhirat and the thing is that that person who is studying something drives him he is serious about his studies there is something driving him he is prepared to burn the midnight oil he is prepared to sacrifice those invitations to come and enjoy himself here and there but what drives him for that there has to be something so there is a passion within him for that success there is a love for that success which will come after this effort there is something the love of some future benefit that is in his heart that too is still a hope, it's a hope that he will get that benefit but there is a love for it there is a love for some position that he might be able to gain so the issue that is within him and the driver is this muhabbat the driver is love and to the extent that this love is deep down in him for that particular aspect it will drive him and then he will be prepared to take, undertake any sacrifices for it person has the love for some name, fame, glory, some medal or some wealth, whatever it is then he will climb Everest for it also now to a sane person this is futile it is just risking one's life there are so many dangers that he puts himself into but for the person who has seen something in it for himself then he is ready to do it so Allah Ta'ala has also made this dunya such that this dunya is the passing phase to make the akhirat but what is going to drive a person? the thing that will drive him will be the muhabbat the same thing that drives him there will be the same driver here but the driver here will be the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala to the extent that the muhabbat and the love of Allah Ta'ala is in the heart then any difficulty, any sacrifice, whatever needs to be done becomes easy if it's a monetary sacrifice that becomes easy if it's a physical sacrifice that becomes easy if it is an, a sacrifice of his emotions that becomes easy of his desires that becomes easy Hazrat Usman he had just concluded a deal with the person 
he bought one orchard from him. Now the deal was done. It was verbally agreed already. But now just to as we say shake hands on it. Now that used to be regarded as the finality of the deal. Now verbally the agreement was already there. That this is the price. Everything is done. I have bought. The seller said I have sold. Finished. Done. But now this was a customary thing that you would shake hands on it. So Swanit now put his hand out. The fine deal is done now. So he will shake hands on it. So now when his hand came out now, in other words, he is 100% now final with the deal. Everything is done. This person now at that 11th hour says, whereas he is now committed. He says, look, I will not sell this to you unless you add another 10,000 dirhams. Everything is all for, though it wasn't done in writing, for all intents and purposes it was signed and sealed. But now he says, if you don't give me 10,000 dirhams more than what the price was discussed, I'm not prepared to sell. So Zuhar turns to Abdurrahman bin Awf who was also standing by and he says to him, now this was not compulsory for him. This was not something that was compulsory for him to do because he was entitled to stick to that that this was something concluded already you are committed to sell at the price that we discussed so he turns to Abdurrahman bin Awf and he says to him that I heard Rasulullah say that Allah Ta'ala will enter that person into Jannat who whether he is a buyer or he is a seller or he is a claimant or he is a defendant but in whichever capacity he is he is very big hearted and he is very easy going and overlooking Allah Ta'ala will take me to Jannat so I want to attain this <laughs> promise of Allah Ta'ala what Rasulullah Sallallahu has said so in the words of Nabi Sallallahu Sallam I am now ready to do this as a result he takes the 10,000 dirhams more and he gives it to the person. He says, take it. I want this guarantee that Nabi Islam has given. So this 10,000 is a cheap bargain. Now this wasn't compulsory upon him. And this was obviously a very big sacrifice from his side. But what drove him? Muhammad of Allah Ta'ala. And the yaqeen and the conviction that this is not going to go in vain. Because it's done for Allah Ta'ala. It's done for Allah Ta'ala, so you don't go in vain. And Allah Ta'ala loves that sincerity of the heart. There's a lot that comes on it. When there's purity in something, purity in every aspect, purity in the intention, purity in the action, purity in how it was conducted, then there's tremendous barakat in that. Just on this one incident, there was one king in, who ruled over India, a very pious person, Aurangzeb Alamgi Rahmatullahi. There was another Buzruk at that time who lived in that era, was Mullah Jiwan Rahmatullahi. One day Alamgi Rahmatullahi gave him one coin, very small value coin, like in our context, maybe one copper coin. Gave it to him as a gift. Now he's a king of the time. And he's giving him this as a gift. Mullah Jiwan Rahmatullahi was also a great Buzruk and he had known the calibre of Alamgi Rahmatullah he knew there is no ordinary person he accepted that gift wholeheartedly 
And he came home and he said to his wife that, look, this is not something just by the way. This is something, there's something special about it. This person is not just any person. So, you invest this in something that will bring returns. So she bought some eggs and put it under the hen or somehow, basically she bought one or two eggs out of it, that's all. And had the hen sit on it. In a short time, the eggs hatched, chicken came, and then now these grew and the whole process carried on. Then there were more hens and more chicken and in a short time, this became like a small poultry farm. And then started buying some sheep out of that, what he was selling. And then from sheep became also buffaloes. And a short time he had a very, very big farm of all these animals. So now some people became very curious. Jeevan Rahmatullah was just an ordinary personality. Meaning very great personality, but in terms of dunya and wealth, nothing that he could that could be seen that where did this all come from. Now, meanwhile, in such quick time, this is all just multiplying. So somebody started whispering, now, this happens every now and again, when <coughs> there is something extraordinary, so there will be somebody who must find some negative possibility in it. There will be those who look at everything in a positive way, and there will be somebody who must look at it from a neg- negative angle. You see, I think, you see, he's got a little bit of some authority somewhere, he's got some contacts with the people in state and government. So he must be taking bribes. There's some corruption involved here. So now these allegations started doing the rounds. Now this is our problem unfortunately, that when something comes by, we immediately just latch onto it. And very often we become responsible for furthering a lie. In one hadith, Nabi Salaam says, Kafa bil mar'i kaziban ayyuhaddisa bi kulli ma sami'a. That this too is enough to make a person a liar. And lying is a very major sin. That this too is sufficient to make a person a liar. That he just repeats everything he hears. Anything he heard, he's just talking about it. Whereas many of those things would be complete fabrications. They would be just slanders. And now he is passing it on. He becomes party to it. <coughs> so this is a very, very serious thing. And nowadays with all the technology, a person presses one button, he speaks a hundred lies sometimes in the press of one button because he passed that lie on to hundred people. Sent to hundred people, he sent it in one button, he committed hundred rebirth. If it was true. And if it was a false accusation, it was a slander, then he committed bohtan hundred times. So, any case, this, as these allegations started doing their rounds, eventually they came to the ear of Alamgir Rahmatullahi also. Now, he had great respect for Mullah Jiyan. He knew this was a great guru also. So he called him and he asked him that, look, there's some stories going around. What's, what's carrying on? So he replied and said to him, that this is all the barakat of that one coin you gave me once. Where did you get that coin from? Now he turned the whole thing and put it in his court. That You want to know where, what's going on? What's going on is that this is all the barakat of that one coin you gave me. But tell me about that coin. 
So he started tearing. And he said, now that you are asking, so here let me tell you. So first he called one person and he said to him, go to a certain place, certain uh, suburb, certain person lives there, a person who, whatever he gave his description, tell him to come and tell him to come with all his records of the last three years. So now that person went and he called for him. The king is calling you, you must come with all the records of the past three years. So this person got a shock, what's going on? Why am I being summoned? So in any case, he finally came with all the records of his last three years, whatever payments he made, whatever, anything and everything. So Alamgir Hamza said to him, no, there's no need for you to get worried about anything. All I want you to do is to search up in your records and a certain day, certain date, he gave the date, check up what were the transactions of that day. So he flipped and found finally that day and date, whatever. And he says, well, there were these few things, there was one payment and any payment you made to anybody, he says, yes, this one coin, like copper coin now, in our terms, one ten cent. I had paid one ten cent to one laborer. So he says, well, what was the story? Why did you pay the laborer that ten cent? What was the incident? So he says, well, the problem was that it suddenly started raining and it was late at night and the roof started leaking. And my wife became very upset that how many times I told you sort this out. And now this whole roof is leaking. Where do I sleep now? The small two by two houses. So I also became very concerned. Now this mud roof, mud houses, mud roof. So she's now I became concerned also. I became embarrassed that now I was told about this so many times and now it's become such a problem now. So I opened the door and I just looked out. So when I looked out, I see one person is just standing in the alongside the wall to just take some shelter from the rain. Now in the dark, I just thought it is some poor person walking around and maybe he's just taking some shade under this shelter for out of the rain. So I asked him, you'll do some work? So he said, what work do you want? So he says, well, you take the spade and this bucket or whatever and you can bring some mud and you patch this roof up. So he said, very well. So he went and he came with that mud and it took him a while and he patched the roof up. When he patched the roof and he came, he came down. So he said, well, whatever my fee is, my wages, give it to me. So I told him, look, unfortunately, I don't even have anything to pay you. You come tomorrow, I'll give it to you. So he said, tomorrow, I don't know whether I'll come, don't come. You see, whatever you have now, give it to me. Doesn't matter whatever it is. So I searched for it, I only found this one coin. I found this one coin and I came, he said, yeah, okay, this is enough. He took that coin and he went away. Whereas that was just a pittance compared to what he was due. But he took that one coin, like somebody is now due 100 rands, and now you gave him 10 cents. And he worked the whole day, so he's due his 100 rands, you gave him 10 cents. And he said, okay, Jazakallah, this is enough. He took the 10 cents and went away. So, okay, very well, now you can go. He dismissed that person and sent him off. All we wanted is this information from you, you can carry on. That person took his records and went away. Alamgir Rahmatullah Ali now addresses Mullah Jeevan and says to him, that do you know who that laborer was that night? So that laborer was this student of yours. He was the king of the time. But he was just walking around to see everything is fine and this person poked his head out of the door at that time saying that you'll do some work. 
So at that time the jazba came in me, let me serve the creation of Allah Ta'ala. The servant of Allah Ta'ala is in a situation of need, let me do it for him. Now, what could have motivated him at that time, the dark of the night, raining, this person poked his head out, gave the instructions and went away back inside and surround. Nobody knows what's going on. The purity of the intention, the purity of the action, not motivated by any ulterior motive. And then because this was such halal work, with such a halal intention, so he wanted something out of it, because this would be filled with barakat, because it was completely pure. So in any case, he earned this 10 cents out of it. And now he said that this 10 cents, he also knew that this is special. So he wanted to give it to somebody who deserves this special gift. He gave it to Bulla Jeevan Rahmatullah. And that became the barakat. Now this is that effect of that purity. But now what drove him also to make that sacrifice? That time of the night, in the rain, being the king of the time. What drove him? The muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala's servant. And to serve the servant of Allah Ta'ala is not going to diminish me in any way. Now, a person who has the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, he looks at everything from a different angle. He doesn't look at it in a confined manner. That two and two makes four. And now, somebody wants to take two away, I'll get left with two. Finish, end of story now. I can't bargain with this. He looks at things in a very different light. Now, this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala is the driving factor. Is the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala that drives a person to the masjid, not his car. At Fajr time, is the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala that will drive him to the masjid, whether he is from walking distance, or whether he is driving distance. His car won't drive him. Otherwise, he will have a driver also too, the driver will get left sitting alone. Is the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala that will move him out of his business at the time of Zuhar Asar. And leave that as it is. Is the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala that will save him from indulging in what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. And the more he goes on in this manner, that he gives preference to what Allah Ta'ala wants, this muhabbat increases. The mashayikh explained there are various asbab of generating this muhabbat and increasing this muhabbat. One of these asbab and means is reciting the Qur'an Sharif with tadabbur, pondering over the Qur'an Sharif. Now, one is somebody, mashallah, has had the opportunity to learn the Qur'an Sharif from some teacher and understand the Qur'an Sharif, know the meanings of the Qur'an Sharif. So now he will have that ability to, mashallah, ponder over the meaning of the Qur'an Sharif. But if not, then at least Suratul Fatiha that we recite in our Salah, that though we can learn the meaning of the few short surahs of the Qur'an Sharif that we recite in our Salah regularly. We learn that from somebody. We go to some alim, we learn these ayat of the Qur'an Sharif that we will recite regularly in our Salah. And read that with consciousness, with the meaning in mind. Allah Ta'ala give more tawfiq. We recite Surah Yasin daily, learn the meaning from somebody. Few ayats at a time, maybe one, two ayats a, a day, one, two ayats a week. In time, inshallah, we'll complete it. But that Surah Yasin every morning we will recite with tadabbur, with this pondering, this the Mashaykh explain is one of the very great asbab and means of developing this Muhammad of Allah Ta'ala. 
these are things which those who have seen the road, it is for us to close our eyes and follow them. A person wants to reach a destination, the simplest thing is that he follows somebody who knows the road. And if he tries to move himself, he says, no, he's got his GPS, suddenly he says, he sees something, there's no reception. So now he's just as lost. But if he's got a guide, who's seen the road, who knows the direction, then he doesn't have any worry. He just keeps following. And this is shaitan and nafs, the biggest barrier that they bring, that a person does not want to submit himself to anybody else. <coughs> Why should I be bound by anyone? As a result, then we go in circles and from one difficulty to the next, but if a person is ready to submit himself in all aspects, then this is my problem, what do I do about it? I can't get my salah in order, my salah with jama'ah is never happening, my fajr is never there, how do I get this in order? Now he's got somebody above him, so now it makes it possible for him to take that lifeline and that rope to pull him out and move ahead. I've got this problem about my akhlaq. I just talk in any manner. I just keep blurting out anything. My tongue is not in control. So now how do I go about rectifying this? Now he has somebody above him, then he'll, and he submits. Then it's a matter of a process and everything will start falling into place. And likewise everything else in life. But now not brings this barrier in front. Why should I submit myself to anybody? So in any case, this is one of the very great asbab and the means of developing this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. This is the aspect of reciting the Qur'an Sharif with tadabbur, with meditation. Then, among the other asbab, one aspect that has been mentioned by the mashayikh is that remembering Allah wa Ta'ala, being in a state of remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, verbally, then from the heart, in action, and in condition. Zuban, dil, amal, hal. Verbally, we understand that very well. The person is remembering Allah Ta'ala verbally, there's tilawat of the Quran Sharif, there's tasbihat, there's zikr, there's enjoining the right, there's forbidding the evil, all this is part of zikr. This is tazkir, this is double zikr. Encouraging somebody to what is right, that is a double zikr. Because it's remembering Allah Ta'ala and it is reminding about Allah Ta'ala also. Preventing somebody from the wrong, obviously in a correct way. Many a times, this becomes a confusion. That a person sometimes is doing the right thing in the wrong manner. He's doing the right thing, but in the wrong manner. So when he's doing the right thing but in the wrong manner, then the wrong end result will come. Hazrat Allah Shabir Ahmad Usmani Rahmatullah his famous statement which we discussed many times, that Haq Baat, Haq Tariqe Se, Haq Jazbe Ke Saat, Be Asar Nahi Jati. Haq Baat, a person is saying what is right, he's not saying something wrong. He's saying what is accordance to the Shariat. But he's saying it, Haq tariqe ke saath. Haq jazbe se. Haq baat, haq jazbe se. He's saying it for the right purposes. Sometimes a person is saying the right thing, 
with the wrong intention. He is correcting somebody or pointing out that person's mistake. Why? Because he wants to humiliate him. So the whole object is totally wrong. He wants to run the person down. So now he found an opportunity. So what he is doing in terms of pointing out the mistake, that itself was the correct thing. But the motive is completely wrong. So this will bring a totally wrong end result, meaning a, a negative end result. So the motive must be right also. And then on top of that, Haq Tariqe Ke It must be done in the correct manner. It must be done with Shafqat, with compassion and kindness, in a sweet manner, in an endearing manner. Then it will bring its end result. One person came in the masjid and he didn't know that now the command of Allah Ta'ala had come that in salah you are not permitted to talk to anybody. Initially that was permitted. Person would come, somebody else was in salah, he'll make salam to him. That person would reply also. And if something necessarily had to be asked, he'll ask him also. But in any case now all this was now cancelled, abrogated. He came in the masjid, Nahim didn't know that this was already the new command that had come. So he said something and now nobody is replying to him but everybody is from the corner of their eyes giving him very stiff looks. So he became even more upset about this. That what's wrong with these people? He said, in any case, I just maintained my silence. The salah was completed. He says, Nabi called me. And then he says, may my parents be sacrificed for him. See, may my parents be sacrificed for him. Neither did he rebuke me, nor did he humiliate me in any way. In what a loving manner he said to me that this salah is now only for the remembrance of Allah wa ta'ala. It is not permissible to have any kind of discussions and any kind of conversations while in salah. But the starting of this, how he described it was, that he sacrificed his parents for Nabi Wasallam upon the manner in which he taught him about this. About the manner in which he advised him. So one is to say the right thing with the right motive but in the right manner as well. So in any case, the zikr, this we digress from this, what is the verbal zikr? All part of verbal zikr. Amr bil ma'roof, nahyan al munkar, the tasbihat, the tilawat of the Quran Sharif, all the other verbal zikr. Then the zikr of the heart. The zikr of the heart is remembering Allah Ta'ala and having the heart clean and clear from all ghayrullah. And included in this is pondering upon the attributes of Allah Ta'ala. This is something that develops the, and generates this muhabbat Allah Ta'ala. Ponder over, for example, the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala. Subhanallah. What is the tremendous Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala? How He's created everything. Look at the skies. What a grand Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala this is. Creation of Allah Ta'ala. And this entire sky without any columns and pillars. The stars in the sky. It looks like one little speck from here. But each star is, they say the world will look like one little ball in a football field. Compared to that star. This is Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat. وَفِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَفَلَا تُبْصِرُونَ Pondering upon a person's own creation. 
one person came today, an elderly person, he was talking about, so while talking he says, please bear with me, I have a problem hearing. And he says, one ear, I've lost my hearing completely, the other one, 80%, he says, now there's an operation that they are suggesting, but that operation, he says, will cost 260,000 rands. And after that operation also, there's no guarantee it'll come right. Allah Ta'ala granted this for free. After the operation also, he says, now I walk around with three different hearing aids. Because in some places one works, and in other places the other one will work, this one won't work. And the third place, something else might try and work, and that too is never perfect. It's still quite a battle. Says, I'm sitting somewhere and I'm trying to listen to somebody, and some other background noise comes, I can't hear the person. So now this operation I've been told to go for will cost 250, 260,000 rands, but that too there's no guarantee. And somebody went for it, they say it didn't work for them. Allah Ta'ala granted us for, for free. Now to sit around and think about it. Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat. Allah Ta'ala's attributes. There are so many things that come out of this. So this is something that brings a person towards the Ma'rifat of Allah Ta'ala. And what the Ma'rifat brings? Muhabbat. And Muhabbat is the driving force. Muhabbat drives the person. It'll drive him to Salah. It'll drive him to discharge his monetary obligations. It'll drive him to restrain himself. It'll drive him to restrain himself from all those temptations that take him towards haram. So, muhabbat is a thing. A person loves his wife dearly. In the presence of his wife, will he be able to look at some haram picture? One is somebody has lost his mind. That's a different thing. We're not talking about somebody who's not sane. A person who's sane and he has great love for his wife. Now in her presence, if you look at some filthy pictures, it's possible? That if it is possible, then he's insane. It can't be the two at the same time. That his sanity is there, and he also has the love, and he says, no, this is possible for him to do. It's not possible, he's not, if a sane person, it's not possible for him. So when that love for Allah Ta'ala is there, and he is conscious, my Allah is watching. Allah is aware. Then can in front of Allah Ta'ala he look at something haram? Can he listen to something haram? Now his wife is sitting there and now he's chatting with some illicit beloved and she's talking in very, and he's got it on speakerphone. Possible way? It's not possible. If he's sane, it's not possible. So now when he knows Allah Ta'ala is all hearing, these are the sifat of Allah Ta'ala. Allah is all hearing. Allah Ta'ala hears the sound of that ant walking on that rock. Allah Ta'ala hears its footsteps. Allah Ta'ala hears what I'm listening to also. So now when this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala has developed, just as he can't do these things in front of his wife who he loves, how will he do it in front of Allah Ta'ala who he loves? So these are things that develop this muhabbat. Then among the things that develop it and increase it, is apart from the faraiz to also be engaging in some nawafil. And these nawafil, one is it starts creating more love of Allah Ta'ala, eventually it brings mahboobiyat. He becomes the beloved of Allah Ta'ala. That when he keeps progressing in the nawafil over and above the faraiz, then the hadith sharif, hadith qudsi Allah Ta'ala says that he keeps progressing hatta ahbabtuhu. To the point that I then start loving him. He becomes my beloved. 
But the lesson in all this is that to the extent that this muhabbat has been developed, this drives the person. It'll drive him in everything. It'll drive him to stay away from haram. It'll drive him from to, towards fulfilling all the obligations of Allah Ta'ala. It'll drive him towards adopting the best akhlaq. Because in adopting the best akhlaq, Allah Ta'ala will be pleased. So now he will suppress his own emotions. He'll suppress his feelings. But he wants to please Allah Ta'ala. Because he'll, when something there's a love, then that love drives a person. And he always wants to please the beloved. So with the good akhlaq, Allah Ta'ala will be pleased, that's what he wants to do. With the pure dealings, Allah Ta'ala will be pleased that muhabbat will drive him to deal in that pure manner. And in this way, in every aspect of life, he will keep in mind that this is a very, very short period of time that we are here in dunya. Today we are here, and Allah knows before tomorrow we are gone. So in this short time, we have to prepare for the everlasting life of hereafter. This is a little effort that we have to keep ourselves in, the effort on Iman, being in the right environments, being in the right company, avoiding the places of sin, especially this crucial time, this very dangerous time is approaching us towards the end of the year, when people start taking leave from their intelligence, they call it the silly season also, because that's what they become. Now in this time, the temptations also are very great. person is being pulled in any direction, being dragged towards haram. And there will be a 101 justifications that nafs and shaitan will put in the mind. That you going to the beach, you are not going for whatever else is going on there. You, Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat, the ocean is there, you going for the ocean. So Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat, mashallah, is the ocean only at that time of the year where all the fitna is. Only then he remembered the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala. Besides that, he forgot everything. And then, mashallah, the beautiful roses in his back garden, he never realized the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala there. But he only remembered the beach at the time of the fitna. So all these are the traps of nafs and shaitan. To get him into that haram. And when a person goes into these environments, whether sometimes these things are happening in the name of Islam, the spheres and whatever goes on, no person enters these places and leaves with his iman, let alone at a higher level, even at the same level. Because the environment is all permeated with so many sinful things, such fitna, the intermingling. And then there will be so many justifications. But when a person has that realization that what I have to give priority to look after. The first thing is a person's iman. That is the biggest priority in his life. That the iman must not be hurt and damaged in any way. And then is his life. After iman is his life. In life, alongside life comes along with it his health, his peace, his izzat obviously. And then after that, next in line comes his wealth. So now if his iman is in danger, he'll put his life at stake to protect his iman. And if his life is in danger, then he'll be prepared to sacrifice what is lower than that. To protect his life. If he wants to sacrifice something else lower than that, he will be at liberty to do so. If his izzat and honor is at stake, on the one side is money, and the other side is izzat. 
And the person who has his priorities in order, he'll say, let the money go, but I could look, look after my izzat. Imam Bukhari, rahmatullahi is traveling on a ship. And one person, now it's a long, long journey, one person gets very close to him and starts talking to him and becomes friendly with him. And then in the conversation, somehow gets to know that he's carrying along a bag of 30,000 gold coins. So now he decided to make a plan for it. So now as this journey is going on, one day he suddenly, he starts crying now on the deck, in front of everybody, he starts crying profusely. Everybody wants to know what's going on, what's your problem? And after a long time now, the captain comes, what's the problem? I had this bag of 30,000 gold coins, it's stolen. Now everybody's on the ship, who's going to run away from here? So now the obvious thing is, fine, let's start searching the whole ship and we'll find it. Whoever has stolen it, we'll catch him, he can't go anywhere from here. So now they started searching from one side, they started searching everybody's cabin, they started searching everybody's belongings, finally came to Imam Bukhari Rahmatullah's belongings, they searched that also, searched him, nothing came out from there also, everything, finally now you see nothing, the whole ship, and nobody can run away from here, so they finally started rebuking him, that you're playing the fool here. What's your problem now? Why are you making everybody parashan for nothing? Khair, the incident came and went, finally everybody went on with their own things. After a day or two, this person now comes back to Imam Bukhari now they're still on the ship. He says to him, like, look, you and I know what you told me. And I don't think you were lying. But now tell me where the 30,000 gold coins are gone. So he says, 30,000 gold coins are in the ocean. He says, what do you mean in the ocean? He says, well, I threw it. He says, you threw away 30,000 gold coins? What did you do that? He says, well, if they came along searching and they found it by me, now it would be a still a process for me to convince them that this belongs to me. I will eventually do it also. But the story will go around that I was accused of stealing. And I am engaged in, in acquiring Hadith Sharif. And down the line, somebody will just cast this one little line against me and that will become a barrier from my pursuit of this Hadith Sharif and passing it on to others. Because now it will become a blot on my name and as a result maybe somebody might be hesitant to take the Hadith from me. So I was ready to sacrifice this but I can't sacrifice my honor for this. Now a person who's got his priorities in order, he'll protect his Iman with everything. And his life, if he has to use his wealth to protect his life, he'll do it. And if his honor is at stake, his peace is at stake. He'll spend his money to buy his peace. And the last thing is the wealth, which is actually the khadim for him to do all these things. But when a person doesn't have his priorities in order, then he'll spend his izzat also for that wealth. He'll destroy his peace also for that wealth. And then he'll destroy his health also for that wealth. And Allah forbid sometimes, one is sacrificing his life in the cause of protecting his wealth, that's something else. But in order to gain that dunya more and more, he'll sacrifice his life also. And Allah forbid, beyond that, a person will even sometimes sell his iman for that wealth. He'll sell his iman for a few coins, because the deal was a little bit lucrative. But now he had to compromise on certain things, he'll make some 
blunders of such a sort that sometimes Iman will go also. Because he wanted that to come anyhow, somehow, whatever it was. So this is the aspect that when the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala is at its when it, that is dominant over everything. That a person has a certain natural love for his possessions, for whatever Allah Ta'ala has given him, for things around him. This is natural. But the love of Allah Ta'ala is dominant over everything. Then in that case, this will drive him to make sure that nothing comes between him and Allah Ta'ala. And he must keep progressing and getting closer to Allah Ta'ala all the time. So this is the aspect to make an effort on that we bring deen entirely in our lives our five times salah with jama'ah our tilawat of the Quran Sharif our tasbihat, zikr making an effort to make sure all our dealings are completely clean and clear pure and our muasharat and social life how we live with our families how we live with our wives, with our children our parents obviously how we live with people in society in general how we interact with others and obviously our akhlaq our character which in the hadith sharif Nabi Islam says the weightiest thing on the day of good on the scales of good deeds on the day of qiyamah is good akhlaq so now all these things and obviously abstaining from whatever Allah Ta'ala has forbidden this is that short life that we have to make this little effort in and this effort will bring for us the everlasting bounties of the akhirat May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give me and all of us the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen We'll make zikr for a short while and then make the answer It's reported in the hadith sharif that a person recites la ilaha illallah hundred times daily Allah ta'ala will cause his face to shine like the 14th moon on the day of qiyamah what this refers to is that inshallah with the barakat of this daily recitation he will give, get the tawfiq of doing good deeds and staying away from sinful deeds and this will become the means of gaining this great honor so inshallah we should try daily to make this dhikr a hundred times daily Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq La ilaha illallah Muhammadun Rasulullah Sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa ashabihi wa baraka wa sallama tasliman kathiran kathira Ya Rabbi salli wa sallim daiman abada ala habibika khayril khalqi kullihimi Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu La ilaha illallah 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 la
Allah, 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 Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala alayhi wa sallam Allahumma lakal hamdu kulluhu wa lakal mulku kulluhu Allahumma la nuhsisana an alayk anta kama asnayt ala nafsik jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu rabbana walamna anfusana walamna anfusana walamna anfusana وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعف وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم اللهم آت نفوسنا تقواها اللهم آت نفوسنا تقواها وزكها أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها اللهم اهدنا لأحسن الأخلاق لا يهدي لأحسنها إلا أنت واصرف عنا سيئها لا يصرف عنا سيئها إلا أنت إله العالمين يا الله most merciful, most gracious, most kind, most loving Allah Ya Allah, we acknowledge all our sins that we have committed, Ya Allah. Allah indeed, we are most sinful, Ya Allah. From head to toe, we are covered in sin, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, all your bounties and favors, Ya Allah. Innumerable, countless bounties we are using every second, Ya Allah. Every breath, Ya Allah, we are taking, Ya Allah. This is your, Ya Allah, such a bounty that we can never pay for our whole life of shukr, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, every moment, Ya Allah, we are benefiting from all the things around us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, despite all your innumerable favors and bounties, Ya Allah, we have been so ungrateful, Ya Allah. We have been such great, Ya Allah. Na shukra we have been, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, we have been so ungrateful that we have used all your bounties to break your commands, Ya Allah. We have used your bounties to, Ya Allah, disobey you, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, forgive this great crime of ours, Ya Allah. Forgive this major crime of ours, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, we are sincerely repenting, Ya Allah. We are making sincere tawbah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ilahul Alameen, show your rahmat on the ummah, Ya Allah. Show your maghfirat on the ummah, Ya Allah. Remove the suffering of the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we acknowledge all this is due to our deeds, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us in the entire ummah, Ya Allah. Give us in the entire ummah the tawfiq of those amal that bring down rahmat, Ya Allah. Save us in the entire ummah from those amal that bring down azab, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove the muhabbat of haram from our hearts, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove the love of the illicit things, Ya Allah. Remove the love of haram wealth, Ya Allah. Remove the love of haram actions, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove the love of haram things, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Fill our hearts with the love of the sunnah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah, remove the ways of the Yahud and Nasara from our lives, Ya Allah. Allah, give us the love of Salah, Ya Allah. Enable us to perform our five-time Salah with Jama'ah, Ya Allah. Give us the love of the Qur'an Sharif, Ya Allah. Enable us to make Tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif daily, Ya Allah. Grant us the love of Zikr and Dua, Ya Allah. Enable us to remember you daily, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Grant us the love of Deen, Ya Allah. Grant us the love of the effort of Deen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, accept us in our progeny till the day of Qiyamah for the effort of Deen, Ya Allah. With Ikhlas and Afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Save us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Allah, only with your protection 
nation can we be saved, Ya Allah? Ya Allah, we are too weak, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, don't leave us to ourselves, Ya Allah. Don't leave us to ourselves for the blink of an eyelid, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, you protect us, Ya Allah. Protect us from the traps of nafs and shaitan, Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, Ya Allah, save us from all sins, Ya Allah. Save us from every haram, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us barakat in our rizq, Ya Allah. Grant us halal and tayyib rizq, Ya Allah. Save us from every drop and every grain of haram, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, keep us steadfast on sirat and mustaqeem, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from all the deviations, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, all those who have passed away, fill their covers with noor, Ya Allah. Make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Raise the stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, those of our parents who are alive, Ya Allah, give them barakat in their lives, barakat in their health. Ilahul Alameen, grant us Jannah through service and obedience to them, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, those of our parents who have passed away, Ya Allah, make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, raise their stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Give them a special place in Allah, Illiheen, Ya Allah. Rabbi rahamhuma kama rabbayana sigara. Rabbi rahamhuma kama rabbayana sigara. Rabbi rahamhuma kama rabbayana sigara. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, at the time of our death, take us with the kalima, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Ya Allah, take us on iman kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on tawbat al-nasuh, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, take us at a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make our qabr gardens of Jannah for us, Ya Allah. Grant us the shafat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, give us Jannatul Firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, all those who are sick, give them shifai kamila, ajila, mustamirra, daima. Ya Allah, remove every trace of their illnesses, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, those who are in financial difficulties, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, grant good jobs to one and all, Ya Allah. Those are without any jobs, give them good jobs, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, those who are having difficulties, in their businesses make it, Ya Allah, easy, Ya Allah. Remove all the difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Remove all the obstacles, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, those who are suffering anxiety, depression, worry, stress. Ya Allah, you remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, bring happiness to the hearts, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, unite the hearts of the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, unite the hearts of spouses, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of parents and children, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of brothers and sisters, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of family members, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of communities, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of the ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ilahu Alameen, all the good that Rasulullah begged for. Ya Allah, we are also begging for all that good, Ya Allah. Whatever Rasulullah sought refuge from, Ya Allah, you grant us refuge as well, Ya Allah. Ilahu Alameen, all those who are present, Ya Allah. All those raise, raise their hands to this dua. Ya Allah, you know the needs of each person, Ya Allah. You know the cry of each one's heart, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's needs from the ghayb, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, fulfill each one's needs, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Grant afiyat to one and all, Ya Allah. Ilahu Alameen, grant the best of dunya and the best of akhirat, Ya Allah. Allahu minna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min shabi musta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balagh wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-alihi al-azim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi sayyidina Muhammad wa alihi wa sahabid ma'in wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi